Welcome to Best Served, a podcast recognizing unsung hospitality heroes. Join Chef Jensen Cummings as he chops it up with industry leaders about the humans who've impacted their lives and careers. From childhood guides, to ass-kicking mentors, to the team members in the trenches that make it all happen. Help us celebrate these rock stars by sharing our show and nominating your own unsung hospitality heroes. Connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Now here is your host. What's up, everybody? Jensen Cummings here. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Today is Best Served Podcast 291, and we're on to episode five of eight on Best Served New Volume 2, Look Who's Cooking with Ching Ren Hu. We're talking about traditional versus fusion. You've heard this kind of going throughout, right? The story of Ching's family, of her mother and father from Shanghai, Hong Kong to Cedar Rapids, Iowa, right? That whole journey there, how she's navigating the dishes from the family cookouts and the beef noodle and these different elements that like are really memorable, the mustard greens, things like that, and bringing them contemporary and putting them in a position to kind of understand the next evolution for her, her personal journey and the idea of fusion. Now, still trying to find that place where we're, we're understanding what traditional, what fusion is and how we thoughtfully navigate that and make sure that the dishes are still always thoughtful, they're authentic, and so super important. So want to bring Ching in to speak on that a little bit more. Ching, good to see you. Good to see you as well. All right. So this is an important thread for you. You're taking a very personal story. You're putting your riff on it, your spin on it, you're modernizing it. You know, and it's and it's sometimes easy to kind of spin off your axis and just because you can, should you. So I think you staying very tethered to that. And I think you will. I have no doubt that you will. What happens when your staff, what happens when your community and their interpretation, their understanding of it is going to be so, so important. So that's what I really want to dig in today. Any vulnerabilities that you feel in that? Any moments where you say, like, I, I got to get this message across and you don't quite know how? Anything you feel very confident in? Give me an idea of kind of where your head's at when you think about traditional versus fusion. You bet. I mean, as always, you know, you wonder if you have like, am I good enough to do this? Am I doing it the right way? Um, Am I living up to the expectations and the benchmarks either that I've set for myself um, or subconsciously, like, it's just kind of dangling out there of like, what the hell am I doing? (laughs) You know, of and and just, um, you know, trying to do justice to delicious cuisine that my parents taught me growing up. I appreciate that. Look, you're going to do it justice because you give a shit. Like you really care. The intent matters. I can't tell you how much intent matters. When I'm, when I track back somebody's uh, successes and mistakes, there's always this nucleus and intent is entangled in all of that. So I think you're going to be absolutely fine from that. Now, you can have some vulnerabilities with your staff understanding it, with the community and your customers understanding it. There for sure is some potential there, which is why being rock solid on your story is so important. It's why I'm just a broken record. Story, it's story, it's story. It's our ability to communicate that. So I want to really dig into that. And that is why I'm so excited. We're going to bring in Kim Lai Yingling now to speak with us. And uh, Kim Lai, good to see you. Hi, me and my highlighter. I'm highlighting the menu. Yes. <laughs> Kim Lai is a pro. She's got the menu that you sent over to us. She's been making notes, all kinds of stuff. 
And for, you know, the seven people out there who aren't familiar with Kim Lai, if you've ever watched anything food content wise from Food Network to any of the blogosphere to any digital platform, you've seen Kim Lai, especially if you're out in the L.A. market, for sure, you're a you're a household name out there. And then EatingAsian.com absolutely has set a really strong foundation for what I think Ching wants to, to build is the ability to bring our, our Asian cultures, all three of us from different Asian culture background mm -hmm. to the forefront, make it exciting, culturally relevant, uh, accessible, right? You know, and there's new ingredients, new words and pronunciations. And I think all of us are navigating how we bring that forth thoughtfully with it mm -hmm. still having authenticity, yet not taking it so seriously that it can't just be fun. It's food. So I think that's what I want to dig into. So Kim, let's start off thinking at a high level traditional versus fusion where does your head go and then let's dig into some specific menu items and kind of pull them apart and see what we can come up with sure um you know i think sometimes people um i think the word fusion gets a bit of a bad rap um only i don't think it's a bad word at all and i think if done correctly it could be an amazing thing you know because i was i wrote this yesterday but um it's like you think back like of our grandmother's grandmother's grandma's and like some of the things that they were making, they did have to infuse dishes with different oh, yeah. ingredients, you know, because maybe some things were not accessible, like the, a traditional herb might not have been accessible. And so they had to get what was available at the store. And so, oh my gosh, they used it and it turned into something else, you know? Um, I also think it's, you know, when people talk about authentic dishes, it's like what may be authentic to me might not necessarily be authentic to you. So if you create a recipe, that's something that is authentic to you. The thing right. though with these types of words um, is that I feel you really have to, you have to educate your customers. You have to bring them in as to why you've infused something together. Why, why is this authentic to you? You know, for example, I created a watercress salad this morning, but I used uh, dragon fruit and toasted walnuts. As an Asian, that's not how we eat watercress salad. Right. And that's not how I remember eating it. But my story is that when I was younger, my mom used to take me with her to this little riverbank, you know, and we would go, well, I didn't pick, but she was there with her friends picking. <laughs> I'm sure I was just wandering around doing whatever, but it has such good memories for me. Um, but I was also, there's a reason why I put it with the dragon fruit and a reason why I used an agave vinaigrette. And I explained that and what kind of flavor that you're going to get. So the dish makes sense, you know? So this is your first food truck. Yes. Yes. Okay. I noticed like on some of the, some of the, why are you choosing to do or, okay, no, no, let me re re ask that. Are you trying to incorporate traditional with fusion or are you mainly trying to do fusion? And if so, why, which one are, why are you doing either one? Um, for me, comfort food is Chinese food. Like mm -hmm. anytime that I'm seeking a sense of, I, I need a taste of home. That's, that's where I gravitate. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's one of the harder cuisines as well. My partner's gluten-free. And so for having accessibility to safe Chinese food, um, for her and just kind of taking a riff on that and mm. playing with flavors because that's really what i love to do is just kind of playing with different flavors and sauces it's mm -hmm. a great question so wait so you're doing okay so that's traditional mm -hmm. 
And then you do have a few fusion items, correct? On the menu. Yeah. So what's what's making you right out of the gate go with some fusion items instead of keeping them all traditional to start? I think for me, it's uh, the accessibility, um, you know, to have in the marketplace that it has items that people are familiar with that they're willing to come up and give it a shot and, and, and try, you know, the tacos and that type of thing, because tacos are a familiar, a familiar item to um, the general public. Mm -hmm. I feel That's like- That's a good know, question, Kim Lai. I'm, yeah. I'm interested if this is where you're going with this. Do you see the tacos, the wings, uh, the Cubano sandwich, those type of things that, that you're planning to do, do you see those as an opportunity to take people closer and closer to authentic or is that your brand all day, every day? Like, tell us uh, a little bit about that. You know, I don't, uh, I don't, I think Mexican food goes very well with all Asian cultures, you know, like Korean tacos. <laughs> and, um, but I don't know if that necessarily brings people in for an opportunity. Um, to, like, gosh, wait, ask me that one more time. Sure. Yeah. So, so there's the opportunity to create a bridge, right? So tacos or Cubano sandwich or wings, these are items that people uh, are familiar with enough. Well, they'll give a new ingredient, a new sauce, something like that, a shot. So you can create that oh. bridge, right? Okay. Or is that just your style always going to be that is kind of a question. And I, I want to, at a high level, the way you think about that came but then specifically, I want to ask Ching that after is like, do you always want to be doing kind of the fusion stuff or a fusion and then all of a sudden a little more traditional, a little more traditional because people now are bought in and trust you and will go and try something, you um, know, that they've never tried before. So Kim Lai, do you think that it creates that bridge opportunity or do you think you have to pick one and stick with it? I don't think you have to pick one, but I think when you're starting out, you should definitely not sell yourself as a fusion place because Ching, you know, what you just said about your partner being gluten-free, so a lot of your your thing is going to be gluten free rested gluten free Chinese food, right? Yeah. Okay, that's going to be your stick. And there's a lot of gluten free people out there that are looking for that. I would definitely incorporate gluten free with the traditional recipes. You know, and honestly, when you ask people what Chinese food is, a lot of people don't even know what Chinese real Chinese food is. So no. this is your chance to bring them into what is traditional Chinese food. And then, I mean, I think it's fine to have a, one or two right now. I wouldn't like use that as the selling point by any means. I would definitely play on traditional Chinese food, but I wouldn't call it traditional. I would come up with some catchy term for it because then people might get scared off. Like one of your things, one of your menus says Lucky Cat Tacos. And I thought there was cat in the taco. <laughs> like, I'm like, whoa, hold on a minute. Maybe, maybe not that. Hold on. <laughs> I know it has meaning. I know there's significance right. with Chinese, but with American folks, I was going to say white folks, with American yeah. right. people, it's like, okay, when they think of Chinese, it's like, oh, you guys eat dog? You guys eat cat? Uh... You know what I'm saying? So it's like, mm, I don't know, maybe not yet. <laughs> um, but I would definitely, I would definitely cater to uh, traditional Chinese food that is gluten-free and have one or two fusion items. But 
I would have a story. See, God, now you got so many stories. Why is it gluten-free? What's gluten-free Chinese food? And then, oh, what's right. tra traditional Chinese food? Oh, what's fusion? So it's like, it's so many things. Uh, if it were yeah, me, right? if it were me, I would play off of because what you feel right now and what is in your life 24 seven is gluten-free Chinese food. And so I would play off That's of true. that. I don't necessarily think like the Chinese tacos. I don't really think that's fusion because it's been done so much. It's like a, it's normal. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, like that, you can add that. That's not even fusion. It's just like, here you go. Here's some Chinese tacos. Oh, okay. Yeah. People, everybody knows what that is because that's been done for so long that it's now become normal. Um, but I would probably stay away. I'd really push the gluten-free just because so many people are trying to eat healthy. So many people, whether they have celiac disease or whether they just know gluten doesn't make them feel good, because a lot of times people, you eat Chinese, a lot of times people will eat Chinese food and it's like, oh, I need to go to sleep because there's so much stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Here, here's something it. interesting that I hear you saying, Kim Lai, that I want to really reinforce for a second is mm -hmm. the, the gluten free and kind of the dietary needs is, is Ching, what I've heard you saying the most often about this is that you're creating an accessibility that's never been there, that you're thoughtfully mm -hmm. trying to take care of people's health. And so thinking about it's like gluten free Chinese with a twist, right? Like you can create an extension within the core messaging of the brand that really speaks to that. So I want you to think about that a little bit. I want to go back, though, because Kim is talking about something that's super important is our ability to believe in the food that we grew up with. And I've struggled with this. I know all three of us have where like my, my bachan, tiny little lady from Kyoto, Japan would come over and all this weird stuff in these tiny containers that now I love most of it. But I remember when she would leave stuff and friends would come over, I would go through the fridge and throw everything away because I was afraid they'd see the weird Japanese food in the fridge, right? We always had a pot of rice going, but I would mm -hmm. never offer my friends a pot of rice with umeboshi and soy sauce. I'd be like, where's the ham and cheese sandwich? And I was, I was embarrassed. I didn't understand. It wasn't cool to be Asian yet like it is now. So we grew up in that time. Ching, do you, do you feel like sometimes you're making it accessible because you don't believe people will believe what you grew up with is relevant to them? Is there some stigma that you're, that you're having to navigate? Probably subconsciously, yeah. Um, you know, I think anything from our past, you know, that we've kicked aside and kind of buried deep down there is always plays into factors of decisions that we make as adults. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel that. Kimla, anything to add to that? I feel like there's something there. It's like we need to, you know, I, I think doing a twist makes sense. Like when I think about tacos, mm -hmm. I like it because I think of Mushu. I was like, they're already wrapping it in something. They're already creating a handheld or I think of Bing, they're already making a crepe. Like there's already something there, this handheld street food Chinese. So I don't mm -hmm. think it, it's as much fusion as extension, mm -hmm. right? Like I think about uh, Peruvians using yuzu for ceviche. If they had a, a Japanese ingredient like that, they would have used it because it serves the same purpose. Yeah. So mm -hmm. I like that versus something where it's a total fusion where you're forcing two things together. So I think even dissecting that word a little bit. So I like those. But for you, Kim Lai, same mm -hmm. question, thing like, We've had to figure out ways to Americanize our Asian American experience, especially when it came to food. So mm -hmm. are, are you seeing now is the time to like embrace that? Is there still oh. a little bit of stigma? Like break that down a little bit. Okay. I feel like I've always embraced it. My mom was more of the one trying to Americanize the ingredients. Mm -hmm. 
the recipes. And I was always like, hey, what? I want to know like what's real. I want to know how you ate it in Vietnam. But when she came here, you know, I mean, she didn't have, a, she didn't even speak English and she's living with a white guy, my dad, <laughs> a white guy. And we're surrounded by white people, you know, and she needs to make dinner and she only has accessible to her American ingredients. So she's like trying to make her stuff, but fit in and incorporate all these other ingredients. So my I mean, I'm, I'm used to the regular, like tikka and um, the ganchua and pho, and I guess like the, well, it's not regular to Westerners, but regular to Vietnamese people, like the main dishes. But a lot of them were Americanized just a little bit. And I didn't really like that because I swear, I feel like I should have been born in Vietnam. Like I lived there in a the past life. <laughs> Um, I want those flavors. And so that's like, for me, I'm constantly pushing out information about, uh, you know, I had one guy come up to me, uh, uh, you know, the bun cell, it's the, the egg, the, what do you call it? Rice flour with the turmeric and you know, it's a yellow, it's like a pancake with the um, yeah. hickama and the bean sprouts. It's a Vietnamese dish. But I had one guy, he was a chef and he was catering this event and he goes, oh, you know, we're doing Vietnamese food. And I'm like, oh, that's awesome. What do you guys have? And he goes, you know, we've got that egg crepe. And I'm like, e egg crepe? Like, we don't eat egg crepe. What was that? <laughs> and he said, you know, that that yellow thing, it's kind of sizzly and it makes like um, an omelet, but it's yellow and you put shrimp and everything in it. And I'm like, oh, bun goon? Or bun cell. Sorry, you guys. It's called bun cell. And I was gotcha. like, that, that's not egg. He goes, it's yellow. And I was like, that is turmeric. <laughs> it's like, what the heck? And so I, oh, it just, I'm trying to always educate people because I think it's fascinating. And so I think it's going to come off. I'm excited about it and I want other people to be excited about it, you know? But I think that's just like, Ching, I mean, you're, I think you are obviously excited about what you're doing and about this path that you took, the gluten free path. That's that, when I say chosen this path, that's what I'm talking about. <laughs> the gluten free part of it. And you want to share the traditional recipes, you know? I don't think that what you're what you're doing is really fusion. And so I wouldn't even focus at all on that. You know, and like I said at the beginning, like fusion gets such gets such a bad rap because like Jensen was saying, I mean, people take one cuisine, one ethnic cuisine, mix it with another ethnic cuisine. Sometimes people just do it because they can, they want to, and it might not make sense. It might not taste good, but it might look really crazy on a platter and you know, and you might be able to charge a lot it looks really good on Instagram, but people in the culinary world know that those ingredients don't go together. But people that don't know will buy that. And so I think it gets a very bad rap. Nothing on your menu looks really uh, fusion-y. I liked what Jensen was saying where this is time. When, God, you really got to push that gluten-free. I'm not kidding because that's hard yeah, to find. Really hard to find. And yep. you've got a story with all of this. You know, and you can tie your partner in. There's the story, the gluten-free story is right there. You're not gluten-free, right? Um, I try to eat gluten-free when I can, but I have more of a soy intolerance. So that's kind of the fun part of fun part of all of that. But yeah. I've so that's you tough. have you have <laughs> two stories to tie in with why you're using the ingredients you're using and the fact that you can use different ingredients and still keep the traditional Chinese tasting traditionally like Chinese. You know, and then you, this is so fun for you because you have an opportunity to, you know, when you talk about like throwing in a few dishes, like a few fusion dishes, well, you didn't talk about that, but we were talking about throwing in a few fusion dishes. Don't throw in a few fusion dishes, throw in a few really 
old school Chinese dishes. You know what I'm saying? And like people like, whoa, this is Chinese? What? It's like, yeah, I wouldn't do a lot of it. You know, start off with just one at first because, you know, you're educated. These people, people are not familiar, you know, with this kind of stuff. Like you asked me about Vietnamese food. It's like, I know about banh mi and pho. Oh, there's more? It's like, <laughs> yes, there's a lot. I, I appreciate that you actually said pho and not pho because I think that's more likely from the, the crowd you're talking about. Oh, I love that faux stuff. I was like, I love, I love that you're willing to try something new. Thank you very much. And you bite your lip and you smile and say, Yeah, well, I want to try something new and learn to pronounce it. Yeah. Oh, I have no that's problem. A, that's a whole, a whole other show for sure. There's <laughs> one thing, Kimai, you said that I want to uh, have Ching kind of reinforce a little bit. You mentioned, you know, people in the industry will will kind of know that. People that really care about those cuisines will know that. You know, you have the the chef that's making it yellow with egg, clearly is only trying to make a buck off that dish. And that all three of us were on a clubhouse where we talked about cultural appropriation of food. That mm -hmm. is the definition of cultural appropriation. No respect for the people, the history, the cuisine. And look, all food, as you started with, is fusion. All food, whatever you want to call fusion, it's all migratory, it's it's wars, it's spice trade. All of these things have led to our foods. You'll have people on the same island, on different sides of the island that have different representation. So the story is the most important thing, Ching, and the audience is secondary to that. The story and the audience and them understanding the story. So Kimberly, the number one customer archetype, we built one are hospitality professionals. This is really Ching's people, people that are mm -hmm. event coordinators and own venues and things like that because she does uh, event production is her full-time job as she's starting this new business. And so we're talking about people that have a high expectation and want the real deal. Like it can be packaged differently. They yeah. want the real deal though. So, so speak to that a little bit, how that audience at the other end of the equation really matters as well. Well, absolutely. Oh my God. Well, first off, you need to schedule a tasting with those specific folks, bring them in and let them have a taste. Like you get in a room with them and you explain to them each dish that they're getting ready to eat, what they're eating, what that dish means, where it came from, what the ingredients are, and that it is real Chinese food. You know what I'm saying? Blow them Let's away. go. Yeah, I know what you're saying. <laughs> if they, you know, they're going to be your best salespeople because salesperson, peoples, whatever, you know what I'm saying? Because you can't be in all these places at one time. You're gonna be in your place focusing on creating the dishes. You need other people that can be your voice out there, but they're not gonna know what to say or resonate with your story unless you tell them your story. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. In a personal, no, how do you say? Like a, uh, you know, um, comfort. No. Yeah, something like that. We're calling her food inclusive cuisine, so you're spot on. In an intimate setting. So that's why I think it's very important to target who these people are that are going to be getting you your clients, you know what I mean? Or that are going to want to use you for catering. Bring them in and let them give them a taste of not only the food, but of your history. And explain to them why it's gluten-free and why that's important. They don't necessarily have to tote that it's gluten-free if they don't want to, you know what I mean? Because it's probably going to taste just as good. But if they get, maybe they're doing this convention for gluten-free folks and by god they want real chinese food where are they gonna go like that's legit you know what i'm saying they're gonna go to you because this other person actually tasted the food and can vouch for you and now is going to sell you to them and boom your client there you go money 
Mike, drop. I love it. King, <laughs> I, I want you to reflect on this and, and give us a little bit. Talk to us for a second here because that is your audience. It is your experience and you have a huge opportunity. And we all understand the vulnerability of being like, oh, I just want to give them something they know and like a little bit that they don't. I want to flip that, maybe package it in a way, make it feel like the consumption of it maybe has to feel comfortable, that they're like, I've had this type of thing on a food truck before, yet the ingredients are unique and the story is unique. Because when you get all those people in the room, and look, I know lots of people love you. You have an amazing following. You have such a good community around you, which has been so refreshing to see through this process, that we'll be like, this Cubano is amazing. And that's good. They'll tell two or three people about that. They tell them the story of the Lucky Cat Taco and what it represents to you. They'll tell everybody they know. And that's the amplitude that you're going to need to build this thing. So when you think about that audience, do you think, can, can you reflect on the fact that they want to hear that story and that it's maybe it's your responsibility to tell them because nobody else is right now. You could right. be the one. Yeah. Yeah, that I, I totally hear what the two of you are saying too, and I'm like, okay, and like time to get back back to the drawing board and, and get back to work on some of the menu items too, and kind of fine tune them a little bit. And um, you know, I, I'd had a couple of uh, venue folks over a couple months ago now, and I was just kind of playing with the menu items, and so I treated them to lunch, and it was fun to get their feedback and just kind of get them. They've been kind of my little cheering crowd um, along this journey, and and anxious to get to opening day too. So. You need that. You need that support for sure. I think I I want you to I want you to challenge yourself. And, and Kim Lai's energy is through the roof. Uh, and I told you it was going to be high energy today. I think it's important. I want you to challenge yourself. I don't think you're back to the drawing board. I think it's one minute correction. I think it's a little bit of thoughtfulness. If you can't write the 250 word article about the story of it, then it's vulnerable. If you can tell a story about it and that story is meaningful then it doesn't matter what the actual exchange of food is if you're selling the story. So I want you to really think about that. You know, a couple of the dishes I think are just are right there and you just need to reposition the story. And a couple of them I think are maybe one departure too far, one step too far because they go purely into fusion for the sake of, of fusion. And you might want to pull that back in a little bit. But that which one is that? I'll so tell you which one I think it is. Let's go. <laughs> which, one, which one did you think it was? It was a little too far. Of which? Of the of too far into fusion? Yeah. Uh, the I, I thought the I thought actually the Lucky Cat tacos with the the orange chicken and the vermicelli and the tacos was maybe one touch too far. What'd you think? Cubano um, maybe? I could see the Cubano being a little bit. I thought the the pho rolls <laughs> because I always it. No offense, Chain. It always cracks up when people, they try to take pho out of the bowl. <laughs> and so it's like, oh, and then it reminded me of, um, what do you call those things that you dip that end up getting all soggy? The Philly dip? No, French dip? French dip. Oh, God, and the bread's all like soggy because you dunked it in. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, this, is, this isn't pho. Where's the... <laughs> Okay, I got to tell you something funny, Ching. On your three, four, two, one pork tacos, I just got this visual like whoever's working in the truck. It's like anytime someone orders that, everyone goes three, two, one tacos. Every now, <laughs> whenever you go get sushi, and they're like, come whatever they say. That's amazing. Actually, what I think we should do is we should get a recording of Kim Lai doing that, and you just push play every time. That somebody would be amazing. Says that. <laughs> 
people are like, dude, did you? Oh my God, I just ordered the 3421 Telcos. Because I looked at 3421 and I'm just like, why are there so many numbers? 34321. And then my brain instantly went to someone shouting out the numbers and me going, ah, that's so funny. I have tacos, please. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I love it. You're going to have to get, you're going to. You're going to be entertaining people to say the least when they're when they're on the truck. I'm telling you, we need we need four, three, two, one coming from Kim live screaming at people on the loudspeaker outside. It's almost like when somebody tips really well and you ding that bell so yep. everybody knows you tipped well. It's like, oh, somebody ordered the four, three, two, one tacos. How do we know? Because it goes, burr, burr, burr. yeah, I'm into it. I like you know, it a lot. What about like with the Lucky Cat tacos? Like, you know, is there like a tissue paper? You know, I'm assuming you're going to have the the basket, the paper, and you're going to put the tacos on top of that. Mm -hmm. Is there like a picture of the Lucky Cat? You know what I mean? You can use for the tissue paper because that will make people think, oh, I'm not actually eating a cat. <laughs> not, I mean, you never know, you know? <laughs> you know? Uh, it's a very, very good point. <laughs> I, I, I hadn't even considered that because I know what her truck looks like. But you do oh. have to have layers of context to understand that. So I, I think there's I think there's a lot to think about there. We got a lot to think about. This was great. I want to wrap up. And, uh, I think <laughs> oh, I can see, so much more. <laughs> I think I think I see Ching's like uh, there's like stuff bleeding out of her ears because we just like melted her face off. Kim Lai. Uh, so a lot to decompress. But I want to go back at this. I want to think about this a little more. I don't think you're that far off. It might feel like you are because, you know, we're kind of like pushing back on fusion because I think that mm -hmm. there is a sweet spot where it's the extension of. It's the thoughtful extension of. And so uh, thinking about the human experience of that is going to be important. Story, 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 story. Only thing that matters. Food is just the promise delivering on who you are and what you say you're going to do. Right. So let's get focused on that. And that'll be the challenge. Like you've already written one article, Ching. Now you have to write an article for every single dish, 250 words. And if you can write 250 meaningful words about a dish, then it matters and then it should be on your menu. And if you can't, Absolutely. it's vulnerable. Okay. Yep. Yeah, That's because, it. oh my God, once you get that out on paper, I mean, you'll be able to explain that dish. You know, and it's so good to take people on that journey with you. People want to experience that. You know, it's like people take so much, even if it's just a talk, a, a talk, a truck, even if it's just a truck, they're not like sitting down somewhere. You want that. You want that interaction with them, that connection, and that you want them to feel connected to you so they keep coming back. Mm -hmm. You know, but. Kim Lai, love mm. the energy. You got me fired up. I'm so excited always to see you. We are grateful every time we get to speak with you. Uh, you bye. have a great day. Appreciate your time. Okay, bye, Ching. Good luck. We'll see you soon. Thank you so much. Like I told you, high energy through this show. You got a lot to decompress. You might have to watch this episode again because there was so much flying at you throughout and make <laughs> sure you under, you see what happened. But you can tell there's just, there's no right answer right through all of this it is your personal journey it's your personal story you have to decide which direction you're going to take it i think a couple of the big takeaways for me is have confidence that your story matters that your experience that your culture that your food it matters the end like that's it that's probably the only takeaway <laughs> everything else beyond that is just details and execution and packaging so I want you to really go back to all of these dishes and make sure that they fundamentally fit your need to tell a Chinese American story, gluten-free Chinese American with a twist. And that's your personality, right? So on either end of that Chinese story 
is your need for it to be dietary and thoughtful and your need for it to be an expression of you as an individual. And if you do that and you take every one of those items and I want you, you've got an English major here, I want you, right, to write that article and think about that. Because if you can express that in 250 words, 500 words, people will care about that. And if that means it pulls you closer to tradition and builds more confidence for you, I want you to have that confidence. Now's the time. Like we need, we need leaders to say, this is who I am. And this is something that you haven't seen before potentially yet it matters. And I want you to be a part of that and your inclusiveness, the way that you bring people to into your orbit, that's what people are going to gravitate towards. So how, how does that sound? Does that feel daunting as hell, but also very, you know, manageable, personal? Like, give me, give me some thoughts. There's a lot yeah. in this episode. Um, there was, there was a lot, and I'm like, I think my brain's still kind of processing everything. It was just uh, tossed at me. So I'm excited to go back and, and watch the episode, but like, start dissecting the menu a little bit more. I think, and just kind of fine tuning things and figuring out what's going to stay and what might not stay, you know, and and what else might go in its place um, if a spot opens up, if you will. Yeah, I think that's good. You know, uh, feel as much as possible, think less through that process. <laughs> okay. I think that's going to be something important. I think you you are a very cerebral person. You, I know this in our interactions, you overthink a lot of things. Like, just let it come from here. Trust your community. Allow them to, you know, tell you real talk. You know, like, yes, it's time for you to, like, take away the fusion as as a comfort blanket and really focus on traditional with a twist. Allow yourself that little opportunity of tacos because it's a clear extension of a way that absolutely the Chinese would wrap something in some kind of corn or flour, something that's already baked into the into the culture as it is. They just maybe haven't put those ingredients in it. So I think there's a huge opportunity there as a dish that might seem like fusion that is just clearly an extension of your traditional Chinese story and Chinese food. So, all right. Ching, that was a lot. I appreciate this. Next week, we're going to start <coughs> talking about the business model a little bit. Talk about food trucks. You're about to open the food truck. You've been dealing knee deep in permits and all kinds of stuff. So we'll bring in another guest coach. Awesome. Talk about that. But next week's episode, how food truck businesses work. And uh, <laughs> this is a, you're building the plane in midair. So I appreciate that this is going to be a challenging concept to understand, but I think it's important for us to kind of dive in and get some of your reflections and see some, uh, some things that have worked in the past and from other people's experience. So we're going to dig into that. Awesome. All right, Ching, you have a great day. Go, go take a nap. This was, this was a lot. Go decompress. You bet. Appreciate you. Have a good one. You too. All right, everybody. That is it for this episode. Once again, Besser Podcast 291, traditional versus fusion. And, you know, I threw the verses in there. Maybe it's not verses. It's like, how do they thoughtfully intermingle with each other? How do we find those intersections that are meaningful? And as always, I am a broken record. It's story, story, story. It's the human experience. People buy why you do what you do, not just what you do. And so we got to really, really focus on that story. And Ching has an amazing story and amazing community. So we really need to make sure that they are there to amplify kind of her personal and her cultural journey. That is it for this episode. Appreciate you all, as always, for tuning in. Cheers. Thanks for listening to the Best Served Podcast. Subscribe to our show and connect with us on social media at Best Served Podcast. Tune in next week to discover more unsung hospitality heroes.